Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harry Kamak, I'm sorry, with Down to Earth, a podcast in which we talk about the issues that matter. And I think maybe I'm just a little bit too excited this morning or a little too overwrought, probably is a better way to describe how I'm feeling after reading an article on the New York Times in which it describes that black and brown people in New York are being arrested more than anybody else for violating social distancing orders. It is in fact something that we have to think about and something that we have to talk about because the instances in which this is happening is unprecedented. I mean, we've got to understand that social distancing is not a conclusion, nor is it a pretext for uh, the arrest of black people who are just living in a pandemic. it's, It's almost as if the pandemic has presented another opportunity for the continued exploitation of minorities and communities of color. And I'm a little bit concerned about that, like most of us should be. I mean, who wants to be in a pandemic? With all the issues that come with this pandemic already, where people have lost jobs, people are being forced out of their homes or the place they call home, they can't afford to pay rent, people need help and healthcare and don't have such provisions for healthcare added to which they're losing friends and family members. So the massive grief that comes with the sudden loss of people whom you love or who wouldn't have died without this pandemic. And now added to that is stop and frisk. Come on. We saw that recently even here in Michigan where protesters in in the Capitol, Lansing, in the Capitol building in Lansing where the governor and the black lieutenant governor reside, we saw where white protesters were not arrested. Now, all of us are sitting back and watching, knowing that if this protest had happened by Black people in Flint, Grand Rapids, or Detroit, or in Saginaw, or Muskegon, there would have been massive arrests. This is a double standard by the police department, and the police need to step up. You know, I say this all the time. If you all want to know what policing is, come to Detroit and go talk to the Detroit Police Department as well. You've got to understand that this is a pandemic. How in Dickens' name is it justified for you to arrest people? Now, in the New York Times article, I gather that the mayor of New York had to respond to that article on Thursday night when it was first published. And the mayor said, well, he has been a vocal critic of stop and frisk in New York. And and stop and frisk was perpetuated by Bloomberg. You all remember Bloomberg? He thought stop and frisk was the legal way to lock up black people so that he could, according to him, he were getting criminals off the street. Meanwhile, there were real criminals on Wall Street walking around in shirts and ties, ripping people off and having sex with underage people, practicing human trafficking in the containers that dropped off in New York Harbor. He wasn't arresting those, but he was arresting black people for just the whiff of smelling marijuana 
are just on suspicion that they look like they were doing something wrong. You just need to look suspicious and stop and phrase justify that. That was Mayor Bloomberg. That was his critique. That was what he did. So here comes Bill de Blasio, who has often been an, a vocal critic of stop and frisk, according to its denying its constitutionality. But this happened on his watch. Let me tell you what the article said. I'm going to give you some facts associated with it. Uh, tensions between police and the Black and Hispanic neighborhood of New York City are flaring in light of social distancing orders. We're talking about social distancing, really, right? The officer's enforcement of social distancing rules have led some to believe that the New York City Police Department is engaging in a racist double standard, arresting and ticketing minority individuals for violating social distancing orders while giving free masks to white individuals committing the same violation. The police department should answer to that. On the same day that you were arresting black people for violating social distancing orders, on that same day, police officers were handing out masks to people in Central Park. While minority residents were arrested, photographs circulated across social media showing police officers handing out masks to mostly white visitors at parks throughout New York City. Mayor Bill de Blasio, who denounced the stop and frisk practices of his predecessor's administration, has found himself having to explain why enforcement of social distancing in minority neighborhoods is tinged with racism. I want that to just settle there for a little bit as we all in the stratosphere try to argue why social distancing orders are being enforced against minorities, but at the same time, masks were handed out to white protesters, to white people who were sunbathing. Here in Michigan, for instance, people were protesting white people with guns marched into the Capitol. And while they were there, they were not arrested. But the rest of us know that if Black people had done the same thing in Detroit, in Flint, Grand Rapids, or Saginaw, they would have been arrested. Sometimes you have to wonder, what exactly does the police do? Are they just there? Is this, this blanket idea that all people who are minorities are criminals, and therefore they are subject to being arrested all the time and to be criminalized? Here is something to think about. The Brooklyn police, the Brooklyn prosecuting attorney released a report that says that 40 people were arrested from March 17th to May 4th, 35 of them were black. The predominantly black neighborhood of Brownsville was where 35 of those arrests mostly took place and no arrests were made in Park Slope, the white neighborhood of Brooklyn. I want you all to sit there and think about that for a second. That is black and white. There is nothing, no justification, no denying it, no arguing. That is black and white. You wanna see something in black and white? 40 people were arrested, 35 of them are black. That's what's black and white. If you arrested most of the people in the predominantly black neighborhood of Brownsville and the people in Park, in Park Slope were not arrested, that's black and white. It's as clear as day. And I just want to know what is it about social distancing that required people to be arrested? Because they marched in, in the Capitol in Lansing and they were all white and nobody arrested them. Not one arrest was made when they were marching with swastikas. In fact, 
we were told that they're defending their constitutional right and their right to free speech. So what is free speech in America and who has free speech? Is free speech only to people um, is given to you based on the color of your skin? Did the Constitution uh, expressly state that, or did the Constitution say all men are created equal? I want to know. Did the Constitution say all men are created equal, or did it just say free speech is confined only to those who are, who are white? I just want to know. And why do they think it's okay? Now, when you read the New York Times article, we are aware already that the New York Police Department has been tinged with violence and accused of violence against people of color for decades now. It's something, and it's not the same police officers who were there in the 1970s or the 1960s or the 1980s even. These are brand new police officers. So you've got to say, well, does a culture of violence exist in the New York Police Department? No, I don't even want to go to New York. Because God forbid I'm walking down some streets in Brooklyn or something and they decide that I look like I'm a problem or I look like somebody who smokes weed or I look like I smell of weed. God forbid. Wouldn't that be something? That would be some shit thing for them. They would get a lawsuit that they could, they would bankrupt them. I swear to God. I'm beginning to think you all are minorities out there. I'm beginning to think you all need to stop being intimidated by the justice system just because when you go to court, the judge is white, the prosecutor is white, the cop is white. Stop being intimidated and looking at people's skin color and start suing them on the merits of the Constitution. You are living here. You're paying taxes. If they violate your rights, your family members need to rise up and start filing class action lawsuits. Start hitting them in the money and they will stop. That's the only thing that they're going to respect. Start suing them for money. Then the police department is going to say, we can't afford to keep this officer because this officer gives us too much money. Or maybe we really do need to do some sensitivity training. You all need to stop being afraid and being intimidated by people's color. The color of their skin does not matter. If the color of your skin doesn't matter to them, then the color of their skin doesn't matter to you. Go into court, and when they're done, tell your family, file a class action lawsuit against these people for violating my rights and see how that is going to change everything. Because this is ridiculous. This is natural born ridiculous. We saw that in Michigan. They protested. It was okay for them to protest with a black lieutenant governor in his office watching us people with nooses and swastikas and Confederate flags marched into the Capitol demanding their freedom, and he's sitting in there. They could have put a noose around his neck. If it were me sitting up in there, I would have walked right out and say, I'm sitting here, and I'm the lieutenant governor. You want to do something? Let me have these officers lock you up. People are as brazen as you're going to let them be. It's human nature. If you sit back and let them do it, they're going to continue to do it. It's power and control dynamics. And they're going to sit and look at you as if they can intimidate you into silence. You can't retreat from that. You need to sit right there and say, oh, yeah, this is how you want to play it. Okay. Let me play it to you. Let me play your game. It is ridiculous. I am telling you the honest truth. I'm not going to New York City anytime. I don't believe in this foolishness. Black and Hispanic neighborhoods in New York are more targeted than anywhere else. I just want to know how did that happen? Black and Hispanic neighborhoods. 
So now we come to this point where we have to ask, is this a racist double standard? Because police officers were handing out masks to white visitors at parks in lower Manhattan and white sunbathers while they were arresting black folks. So it it makes everybody else wonder if social distancing and the enforcement of social distancing, was that not just a pretense to go into poor neighborhoods and arrest people? Because maybe there's, there's something I don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but arresting people brings money, right? Because you fill the jails up. So somebody somewhere is making money. It keeps the system rolling, right? So enforcement of social distancing orders, therefore, I have to conclude that that perpetrated on poor people is a way to keep the money flowing. So you look for people. In, in the story that I read, people were, want, were at a vigil for a rapper who had died of coronavirus, and you arrested people. In one case, the police went and arrested a woman and a man for violating social distance while they were outside of a deli. And one of the, the police officers uh, took task to a bystander <laughs> and punched the bystander, slammed them to the ground, and sat on them until another officer put place cuffs on the person. And people were videotaping that naturally and uploading it, uploaded it to social media. It's not that the police don't care. They don't care. Where do these renegade police officers come from? Who hires these people? Who polices them? Who supervises them? They don't, they're not subject to internal reviews? Or is it just a culture? It's, it's us against them. Us against who? Are you arresting violent criminals here? Are you arresting murderers? Where are the, the people who perpetrate human trafficking on children? Where are the people who are beating up their wives, girlfriends, and children right now? Are you arresting them? No, you're not. Are you arresting rapists and sexual offenders? Are you? No, you're not. Are you arresting murderers and assault and people who commit assault and people who rob people? No, you're not. You're looking for an ordinary joke who's just walking down the street taking a weed because weed is legal now. Nobody should be arrested for weed, not when you're selling it as cannabis in stores. That is a double standard. But who are you really arresting? Who do you think is a violent person? Look at Ahmaud Arbery. He was violent too, so that gave license to two white men, father and son, who are farmers, probably poor as Czech, probably don't have Jack, right, except their dried out farm and resent the fact that black people and other minorities have more than they do now and shot him and killed him and then created a video about it and laughed about it. Y'all have this thing messed up. This is not the 1920s, y'all. And you have created a culture of reprisal in which people are eventually going to say enough is enough and they're going to respond in the same way. It may not be my generation, but it might be a generation after this. They've tried everything by legislation to legislate the police department. They've tried everything to have commissions to mediate, mitigate, everything to arbitrate. And they have tried to cogitate. They've tried to negotiate. And it has not stopped the rampant violence against people of color. People of color are 10 times more likely to be pulled over and to be arrested following a pullover. 
A simple traffic stop is dangerous when you're walking around in skin color that looks like mine. A simple traffic stop ends someone's life. The worst thing that can happen is to see blue lights flashing behind you. Meanwhile, white people are driving around with pills on them that are not legal, that they are distributing. There are school districts in this country where white kids are on school buses who are distributors of pills, and you all know about it and you do nothing about it. But you see me driving down the street and you pull me over for a broken taillight or an expired tag or no insurance and then proceed to put the cuffs on people. You're racist and it is what it is. You see black people as an opportunity to keep your job, to continue to fill the jails up and provide work for the prosecutors and the sheriff's deputies and the judges in the justice system. That's the end result of all of this. Racism, no matter which way you twist it, it still comes down to black and white. And as long as we're looking at it within the context of black and white, then there are some things we need to address about it. Since you still only want to arrest black people and pull over black people, we need to talk about it. If you're white and I am black, how am I supposed to feel? Now it's created a culture of distrust that I'm, this is me. Seriously? And if I start talking, I'm resisting arrest. I'm telling you, you all don't try that with me. Because I have a whole group of people behind me. They're going to sue everything that is left standing. And if you think you can shut them up, you will find out that there will still be another group of people who will do it. It's time for us to start suing people who perpetrate these things against us. Stop being silent. Speak up when you see this kind of injustice and address it so that it is stepped down and it is summed down. You all, everybody who is under the sound of my voice, if you're watching this or you're hearing this, spread this. People need to understand you're not alone. There is a whole community of people who are going to stand up and make enough noise that the system will have to backtrack. You are not more powerful than anybody else in this country. And it's time for you all to understand that there are boundaries and limits to what you do. And you prosecuting attorneys are the ones who allow the police to continue. The prosecuting attorneys are part of the problem. It's not just the police. Because look, if the police didn't think they could get away with it, they wouldn't do it. So how are they getting away with it? They're getting away with it because the prosecuting attorneys are backing them up, knowing that they lie, knowing that they fix cases, and they do not investigate properly. Now, look at this. A a little uh, thing happened at the deli. The police decide to arrest people at the deli. Now, a proper investigation would include were there surveillance cameras within the vicinity? And what would the surveillance cameras prove? That the police unconstitutionally arrested people for nothing. But nobody is going to talk up. You have to stand your ground and talk up. Because if they did this to one white kid or one white person, the whole thing, they would have changed the whole laws about the city. And I am saying to you that it's not just the police, it's the prosecuting attorneys who are involved in this. It's the media who continue to perpetrate these myths that people of color are criminals. Have you ever watched Criminal Minds? How many murderers and serial rapists have you ever seen on Criminal Minds? If majority of the country is white, then it stands to reason that most of the criminals would be white, wouldn't it? 
Exactly. But do you see the jails being filled with that? No, they perpetrate this on poorer neighborhoods where people can't afford, don't have even the mental space because they're always worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drive, how they're going to get to work, how they're going to live. So they don't have the mental space to go sit down and collectively find an attorney or put their house up as collateral to find an attorney to defend their relatives. They continue to perpetrate these on poor people in black and brown neighborhoods. It's got to shift, y'all. We're in the midst of a pandemic. People's lives are at stake. And you're worried about violating social distancing orders? Are you kidding me? A gym in Jersey opened with no arrests. I presume they were all white. Thank you. Right? No arrests. A gym in Jersey. Same thing here in Michigan. They marched on the Capitol. With, with nooses, with nooses. Yes, they were all white. A gym in New Jersey opened and there were no arrests for violating social distancing orders because they were all white. Everybody in that gym is about to have COVID-19, by the way, because this thing is so airborne, it is unbelievable. Here in Michigan, the statistics are showing that after people marched in Lansing, the rates of infections from those people who returned to their communities up in northern Michigan have spiked since then. Just last week, the Detroit Free Press is reporting that uh, people who went back to work at a Chrysler plant, one person was sick, and she was te- she tested positive two days later, even though they called her and told her to come back to work. She said she was having a cough. They still wanted her to come back to work. She went back to work. <laughs> and now one person infects 40. It's likely that there are more, there are more infections to come out of it because they want to be seen as perpetuating industry. So they're opening up places. So, so I, some, the question I'm asking, this is Jim opened up in New Jersey with white patrons and nobody was arrested. I am telling you that there is a distinct correlation. There is a relationship between the prosecuting attorney and the police departments that perpetrate these lies. In every scenario of wrongful conviction, it's always the prosecutors and the police who mess up. The, the, prosecutor, the police goes to the prosecutor and say, I have a case. The prosecutor asks questions. They configure the facts to suit the case that the police want. And the prosecutor knows that something is wrong and still let it happen. Start suing them and you'll find out. Start landing wrongful death suits. Start suing them for wrongful conviction. Find a way in the law to sue them and see if it won't change. Right? They believe minorities are the carriers. They're so foolish because uh, Chinese people in China started having this. And then it went to Italy. Uh, Italians are not minorities, especially northern Italy. They tend to be white. So when they say that minorities are carriers, you have to really sit down and look at people like, you have got to be kidding. What happens is the world over in, in Western Europe, and in America, what happens is that minorities tend to be poorer, so they lack health care. So they don't, over a lifetime of not having access to good health care, they tend to have more underlying health conditions that are not prevalent in white communities because they have been wealthier for 400 years. Let's just be clear. It is what it is. It's facts. Those are the facts. The facts are that this is how this happens. <laughs> And I don't understand why people tend to overlook this fact, right? 
Africans are being punished in China. I, yeah, I did a show on that recently. How Africans in China are being punished for COVID-19 when they had nothing to do with it. And in fact, the virus started. So China was is trying to shift the blame to say that it's Africans who started. But you all know that they either drank bat soup or they developed it in a lab. It's one of two scenarios. And I don't know about the bat soup thing because they've been drinking bat soup for centuries and never got sick from, a, 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 you know, a coronavirus. So what the heck? It might not be the bat soup. It might be something that the Chinese developed in a lab and it just got out of hand. Like an experiment left the lab and it was, you know, it probably was on a lab worker and the lab worker transmitted it when they went to the open market. You, you know, all kinds of scenarios could happen. China did this. I don't know how anybody can believe anything out of China. They're very deceptive. And we need to just recognize that and accept it. It is what it is. Right? So I don't, I, my, my thing is this, that we are so ready, right? We're so ready with it contextually to just lock up people of color and presume that they are violent, presume that they're anti-establishment, presume that black people commit a crime. You're not, you, what the hell is the deal here? You know, what, what's the deal? I think it's time for people of color to start suing people, Spencer. Start getting back at the establishment, hitting them where the money is and start suing. And they will shut the hell up. Because it's ridiculous. You, 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 you're handing out, how, uh, the New York Police Department ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're handing out masks to a group of white people? And then your police officers are over in a black community arresting people for social distancing. We all saw the pictures of people sitting in Central Park. Did those people, Central Park is not big enough for the number of people who were sitting in there that day for them to practice six feet apart. People were jogging. They were not six feet apart. And the police were handing out masks. And you're all like, oh, look at that. The police are doing something great. Let me tell you what Detroit police officers do over here. They pick up people and take them to, 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 to clinics and stuff. They go and buy food for people. When they go show up somewhere, sometimes they don't bother with an arrest because sometimes it's poverty that's driving it. Do you know that the Detroit Police Department has a lot of social workers on staff? Did you know that? you know why? Because violence, they have now come to understand, is sometimes caused by poverty. It's not the leading cause, but it's one of the causes. So sometimes in an effort to ameliorate the violence in a community when people come in and they're complaining about this or they're arrested, you find that violence was the instigator of something, uh, poverty was the instigator of the violence that took place. Because that's what the police deal with, they deal with violence, right? That's their, that, that, that's their whole ambit, right? So what happens is they come in, they recognize, so they have social workers who can direct people to resources that are available from the community, whether it comes through the state government whether it comes through the city government or the county government or even the federal government. But social workers know how. Sometimes people just need to talk it out. They're victims of violence themselves, and then they continue to commit violence. Sometimes people just need someone to talk to. They need to be counseled. The New York Police Department, there's no amount of sensitivity training. This is generational and decades long. It's not the same police officers who were there in the 1970s who are there today. So that tells me there's a culture of violence. It's that continued blue veil 
and a continued blue wall that says it's us against them. Cut it out. You're criminalizing people who have nothing, no means of defense. That's a power play. So you are hung up on power? Is the New York Police Department hiring people who are violent and who are hung up on power to the extent that they want to go out there and show that I have power because I have a badge and a gun? Come on. You're not even the FBI. Jesus, take the wheel. It's nepotism. Oh, so they hire their family members? So the grandfather hired the father, hired the son, and the son hired the son. So you have generations of this stuff going on. So Blue Bloods is right. The the show Blue Bloods on CBS, where generations of police officers are in the New York Police Department. That's a true reflection of what happens. I see. I see. Well, just like it is generational, it needs to be uprooted. Ain't nothing wrong with uprooting it at, at all. It needs to be uprooted. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like working in the auto plants here. It's generational through the union. You know, they continue to hire people whom they're related to over time, right? You reside in Dallas, but you're from New York. Dallas is another hotbed of, of, of police uh, violence. It just seems to be in, in areas where there are involved communities of color that this happens. You see what I mean? Oh, I, I'm on YouTube. It's Twitter. It's Twitter. Switch over to YouTube. Do you see what I'm saying? It, 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 it's something that gives me pause because I watched the same thing happen right here in Michigan. White protesters with nooses. It didn't bother anybody. The police were just standing there like this. <laughs> if I'm frozen, it's the Twitter app. So I'm also on YouTube, which is just a way more stable platform. Right? But do you see what I mean? In 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 in, in Michigan, we watched this happen in Lansing. The police just stood there. They didn't feel threatened. They didn't act like they felt intimidated or threatened. What if the same thing had happened down here in Detroit? They would have shot people. And it would have been the Detroit riots all over again of 1968. Do you know the Detroit police in Detroit attempted to enforce social distancing orders? You know what they did? They handed out tickets. They didn't arrest anybody. No, they didn't arrest anybody. I'm continuously studying how police departments across the country operate in communities of color. And, I, and I'm still trying, I, I, I want to, I want to see, I want somebody to come forward and tell me the police department in Detroit arrest black people randomly because people in, who live in Detroit, when the police show up, they're like, that's the one who did it. <laughs> they even call the police and say, you need to go look at house number so-and-so. So I want to know, how is it? And it's not like there are only black police officers in Detroit. There are white police officers, plenty of them. They ride around. They do policing. They're detectives who investigate. They do all the same stuff. So I still want to know, why is it so marked everywhere else? New York, and the police can't get away with doing what they do if they're not supported by the rest of the system. The judges and the prosecuting attorneys are part of the problem. 
How is it that 40 people were arrested between March 17th and May 4, and 35 of those people are black? You can't, that's black and white. It's, it's like writing, reading the words printed on a page. The page is white and the words are black. It's much better. Do you see what I mean? It, it's, it's the craziest thing ever. And we can't, this is just a pandemic. This was not, okay, it was a violation of curfew. So it wasn't as if the governor said, well, you can be on the streets from 10 p.m. to 9 a.m. It wasn't a violation of curfew. It was just, well, we should all stick six feet apart. You could have written tickets like the police department in other cities did. They just wrote people tickets for $1,000. You don't pay it well, he's going to jump on your credit, and it may add up to something else, but you'll have a chance to pay it. It's, you're, you see what I'm saying? This, this has got to stop. And people of color need to rise up and start sewing these people, sew their pants off. That's the only thing they're going to recognize. Start sewing them for violation of it. I, I often talk about how this whole system works. When I first started singing on, on, on Facebook years ago, because that was the platform I had, people laughed at me. It is organized. It is systemic oppression. It's institutionalized. And it is designed to rid you and emasculate you and to make you feel that you do not have a right. Stop looking at the color of people's skins and treat them. Look at them. Are they treating you justly in light of the charge, the situation that is in front of you? You need to ask yourself, if I were white, would this happen to me? And if you have to find yourself asking that question, you know then that you're being treated unjustly, then the remedy, according to the Constitution, according to the system of justice, you sue, you find a file of civil action. There is no reason. Mayor Bloomberg was on a power trip, a little white man who got a little money and a little power. And he went on a power trip and actually thought people were going to vote him into being the president of the United States. You're kidding me? Under his watch, how many hundreds of people were locked up unnecessarily in New York? People literally ran from New York. I don't understand where the media gets this image from, that all black people are criminals. I'm a published author who, have written, who has written books. I've spoken on stages across this country. You're going to look at me and call me a criminal too? I've never broken a code in that day in my life. Not because of any other reason than I just don't. But I have friends who have done that. Well, lots of white people who don't give a damn. Because according to them, the system is there for them. Why should I live in fear of driving down the street? Why should I live in fear that if I have a civil action and I go to court, I'm going to be unjustly treated? Why should I live in fear that if I apply for a loan, then my loan is going to be 10 times higher and my payback is going to be 10 times higher because the interest rate charged to me is higher. Why? I'm the person who I pick up the phone and say, why I get this interest rate? I am that person. Justified on a scale of one to 10. How many people like me have this, have this credit score and how much is the interest rate? I don't take foolishness. And it's time for us to stop and crawl out of our shells that, well, they own the system. They don't own anything. They borrowed the system from the other people who were here first. 
and utilize the system. And now you are here with them. They brought you here to help them build the system. You think this is a joke? I read a story on one of these websites recently where a guy who considers himself Native American, he, the oral history he was told is that his ancestors came across the land bridge from Serbia, Siberia. Okay, so Siberia, right? That connects, that's part of Russia. And then next to it is Alaska. North America and Russia were connected once by a land bridge. That bridge has eroded now. There's just a sea there, right? Oral tradition, this guy was told, was that his ancestors came. You know what they found out? His DNA goes back 17,000 years. They didn't just come across Siberia. They've been here 17,000 years. It goes back that far. It goes way, way back. He's considered, according to the system, Native American. Truly, that's the real Native. The rest of us are here. And we kind of divided and conquered. So we conquered. So we own it now. We claim we own it. So the people who you brought here, people like me, you brought them here to help you build the system. You owe them a debt. Not your little power trip that you get up this morning and you have a badge and a gun and a baton and you have blue lights that you can turn on. That's not power. You can be sued. You can be replaced. And there is coming a time when that system will be enforced, where it will be replaced. It's not going to go on forever. It's not going to go on forever. I promise you, it will not. It's not going to go on forever. I, I kid you not. Friend, I feel you. I, I totally get you. This is something that we need to recognize. And people, stop falling asleep at the switch. You all have phones. I'm glad that you're uploading these things to social media. That's what you feel you have the power. But you also can file a class action lawsuit. Those 35 people in that neighborhood, in, in Brownsville, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn is the county, the borough, you all need to get together and file a class action lawsuit. You see how far quickly that thing will be settled out of court. And watch for the non-disclosure agreement in there that says you can't talk about it. Go heck yes and talk about it. I kid you not. Right? This gentleman is saying that uh, 304 people went to black and Hispanic men and women were summoned within a week. Huh. Many African Americans are Native Americans. We're like Palestinians under occupation. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of like how they put people together. So black people and Native Americans got together. People are people. And they know that. They know that. They know that. But you've, you've been sitting under a system that tells you you can't go further and that you're only a black man, you're only a brown man, and you're only a this man. Who told you that? That's a negative narrative. That's a totally negative narrative. And we all need to strive to eradicate those negative thoughts and those narratives that they continually allow to perpetuate the airwaves that we invite and say, well, I can only go this far because I'm a black woman. I can only do this because I'm a black man. I can only do this because I'm Hispanic, I'm Native. 
that is wrong. You are putting boundaries on yourself. You're a human being created by God. The same process that created a white person is the same process that created you. There was no nothing involved or anything special. That stuff was a lie from the beginning, and you all just sat there and listened to it. You, you know, I used to say this a lot. There's a reason. I, I couldn't have been living through slavery and through uh, Jim Crow. They would have killed me because my mouth, as you can see, I, I couldn't shut up. They would have shot me. I would have probably had to have 100 lives to come back from that. And we need to, when it happens, though it is personal, it's personalized because it happens to you. We need to stop looking at it and imbibing it and feeling bad about it. No, look at it as the person who did that to you is nothing but a racist person, and they need to be fired for that. It's that simple. Draw attention to it. Do you see what I'm saying? Because what we do is we roll back into our shell, go back into our communities and say, well, they only do this. No, friend. No, 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 no. Come back out and stand up for it. Did, did, did somebody not say, was it Martin Luther King who said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere? Look where I'm in Michigan talking about this. And this all happened in New York. I imagine the airwaves in New York are filled with this, isn't it? People are talking about this. Where's all that going? Hit them in the money, and then they will stop. When they start getting sued, and the police commissioner has to look at how much money he's paying out because of the actions of these officers, that's when they will stop. And by the way, has there ever been a Hispanic or a black police commissioner in New York City? I don't think so. That would have been legendary and historic. They're probably deputy commissioners whose uh, authority is constrained by he has to constantly cogitate, doesn't he? We need a black police commissioner and a, and a Hispanic police commissioner in New York City. That needs to happen ASAP. It needs to happen. Because until the philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior until that philosophy goes away, black and brown bodies will continue to drop in the streets. Black and brown people will continue to be attacked. Black and brown people will be denied privileges. Black and brown people, privileges that are available to everybody in the population will continually not be available. Black and brown students will not get to go into college. Black and brown men and women will continue to be locked up for retail fraud when white people do the same thing and get away with it. They walk right out of Walmart all the time with stuff in their cars. They don't even get stopped. But a black and brown person walks out with stuff in their cars and they end up in the county jail. They're thrown into jail. Every store you go into in America, there's always a sign that says for a law enforcement partner. Okay, so you have retail theft. And they go into Neyman Marcus. They go into Saks. They steal. Do they get locked up? No. Black and brown bodies pay the price for what white people get away with. White people are working in these establishments. See other white people do steal and do nothing about it. Oh, well, they probably just need it. But a black and brown person is criminalized and locked up. Happens all the time. The presumption, it's not that a white person is good, it's that they need it. So the black and brown person don't need it either. I was at a Walmart once in, near, in, in, in Metro Detroit and saw a young woman uh, in the back of the police car. Turns out she stole some diapers or feed, infant formula. 
I would have thought the police officer would have looked at it like if she didn't need it, she wouldn't have taken it. I would have bought the darn thing and give it to her. She was thrown in the back of the police car. She's about to be taken to the down to the precinct, and she's going to be criminalized for a need that still exists. Because there is a system in place, and the system is effective. The system didn't happen in the 1960s, 1970s, or the 1980s. This system is 400 years old, and it's effective. It is very effective because it continues to happen today. And if we don't change it or try to do something about it, we have different tools and resources now. We shouldn't just sit back and take it. We need to start taking advantage. So keep it moving. Find ways. There are different tools and resources that are available. Step into it. You are in Brooklyn and you're watching this stuff. Go to law school. Start a community college. Don't stop until you get that law degree. Go apply. They may not hire you, but you'll start somewhere. Go work for a nonprofit until you build up enough, and then you can get to the place where you understand that the climb is going to take you longer because you're a minority. But do it nonetheless. Stay focused to the mission of eradicating racism. Because until that philosophy that perpetuates this racist hate-mongering on people of color, until that philosophy dies, until the people, until the system changes, it's going to continue. All we are doing is changing figureheads. Bill de Blasio is the current mayor. The mayor before was Bloomberg. There was another guy before, Giuliani, and on and on it goes. And they still perpetuated the same oppression. It's systemic for a reason because it's systematic. And it is effective in its execution against people of color. And until we get that and understand that we need to fight the system and the way to fight the system is by being in it. You can't sit out there anymore. Even if you've gone to jail, come out and do something. Be a part of the system. Don't stay on the fringes and go back inside and become another. No, don't do that. Fight the system. We've got to do it. We owe it to ourselves, to the people before us, and to the people who are coming after us. We can't just drop the ball right now. We have to get up. We have resources and tools today. They don't want you to know, but they exist. That's why it's called the Internet. I say this all the time. God created the Internet. Say, God created the Internet for a reason. Pick it up, www.google.com. Search for everything you want to know. You can do it even by your zip code. Find the resources that will help you overcome this systemic, organized system of racial inequity that is called racism. That's what it is. And until that philosophy is eradicated, here we are sitting talking about it. There's never been a, oh, Dinkins was in New York, right? When I was profiled to the, went to the council and they had racial training. You were 18 years old. Listen, listen to my viewer. He was 18 years old when he, hold up, hold up, dude, hold up. Let me read your story here because this is, this is important, right? So you were, you were profiled. You went to the council when you were 18, right? In New York. There, there was a black mayor. Dinkins was in New York. Uh, you're kidding me. Huh. Huh. 
Living witness right here. Right there. Now he lives in Dallas. Just another hotbed. You see, we change geography. And we see, you see what I'm saying? We change the geography. And you're going to another city and you're like, whoa. <laughs> it's the system. It's organized and it's effective in its execution. They change and rotate out. And the next group of people come in and they, they execute the system. We need the system. The system is we need more black people to become lawyers, more black people going to law and become prosecuting attorneys. Whether you work for a nonprofit, I don't care. It's not all about money. When they were marching in civil rights, they didn't have a penny to their name. Did you know that? They did not have a jack penny. They had to go work for the white man to pay their mortgage the same time. And they were still marching. It's not all about money. There is enough money to distribute. Enough black people are wealthy enough. They need to support the causes that promote this system to get be rid of. They need to start putting their money into nonprofits that are looking at eradicating systemic oppression. It is the only way to save our cousins and our family members and our friends from being locked up unjustly. Why should that young woman and that young man go to a deli to have a sandwich, to get a sandwich, and end up in the back of a police car for nothing other than the color of their skin? White people were going to deli school. They weren't locked up. Come on now. Why should I fear driving down the street and fear blue lights pulling up behind me? Tell me. Meanwhile, the girl who works for me, who is white, she's, she's not afraid of that. My daughter, my oldest daughter went to college with somebody who is white, who was driving for eight years without a driver's license and never feared being pulled over. When she finally was pulled over, she wasn't locked up for driving without a driver's license for years. She was just locked up because she was driving without a license at that time. She wasn't locked up. She was given a ticket and told to go down to the Secretary of State and take the test. A black person would have been locked up and slammed and go before the judge and the system thrown at them with a book. My friends, until the philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior, until that philosophy is eradicated, we got issues. You were racially profiled at 18 because officers had shot guns on a roof. I was participating in a play in a white area of town. So you were a black man on the roof in a white area of town in a play, and they fired shots at the roof because you were black. <laughs> That's why I don't have sons. <laughs> God knew what he was doing because, dude, if you were my kid, <laughs> you already know how the outcome would be. Maybe they would have locked me up with you. <laughs> this is crazy stuff. There is no way that I can read this stuff and not wonder. I, I can't. I, I just can't. I'm sorry that that happened to you. I still think if there's no statute of limitations, you still sue still, still them. Make them feel it. Bring attention to that stuff. When you start putting the money right there, they'll back off. They'll see it. And they'll start wondering. 
Because right now, all they're doing is intimidating people into not doing anything about it. You know, just intimidate them. Just show up with a show of force. You know, just lock up a few of them and they will get the message. Don't do that. Don't do that. If the people who marched in civil rights had backed off, we would not have affirmative action and we would not have some of the rights we have today. We can never back down or back off. No. Not when you're a human being who deserves to be treated with the same and accorded the same dignity and respect that is according to someone who looks like a police officer. Until you change that mentality, until that is changed, we're going to be talking about this forever and a day. Hey, I got to go. They're wrapping me up. Listen, thank you so much for your time. I'm sorry for those experiences. I believe there's a positive spin going to law. That's very effective. Going to law, and then it becomes a springboard to policies. Have you guys thought about that? Going to law. You can just go study, get a law degree, pass the bar, yeah, and then get a springboard into politics. So there are more people represented in city councils, more people represented as police commissioners, more people represented in government. Whether government does not have to be national government, the most effective government is the one right where you are. Because that's where everything happens. It doesn't always happen nationally. When was the last time you saw a national march? It happens locally because all politics is local. Go into law, use it as a springboard into politics, and invite your friends to come with you. Invite them. If they have an MBA, say, why aren't you running for government? Go run for city government. They went to college, have a degree, or they didn't go to college, go run for government. See a thing and decide to do something about it. And guess what? That's how we're going to rotate it out and change it. Same is true for my Hispanic brothers and sisters. Rise up. Y'all need to start thinking. Go into government. If you don't go into law, go into politics. Go run for something. Do it. It's the only way we're going to change this and overturn this systemic oppression that is killing us off. Is it fair? No. But the only way you're going to fight it is to be at the table where the decisions are made. My name is Harry Kimmick. Thank you so much. I'm humbled by your participation this morning. Share this message with others. My name is Harry Kimmick. Go to my website, harrykimmick.com, as well as visit Down to Earth podcast on various platforms and various social media. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. See the stuff I talk about. I want to thank you so much for your participation. I look forward to seeing you in politics someday, very soon. I look forward to that. Let me know. I'll still be here. Thanks so much, everybody. I appreciate it. Be blessed. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. It's Monday. Thanks so much. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.